Hey, good morning. I'm American, I'm loud, forgive me, and my accent is stuck this way forever. So, yeah, uh, my name's Alex Early. It's really nice to be here with you all. Uh, happy birthday, Anchor Church. That's seriously amazing. So, um, yeah, it's a big day for, for, I mean, and you gotta understand, in the world of church planting, um, Churches most of the time don't make it, in case you don't know any of the stats on church planting. Uh, over 80% of church plants uh, never really even get off the ground. And so not only to survive, but to be thriving two years in is amazing. And that, so like the stories that are happening here where people are meeting Jesus, the majority of churches, over 85% of churches don't see one conversion in, in, in about a decade. That's usually what the stats come out to be. So um, hearing story after story after story. Don't ever get bored with that. Don't ever let that become, oh yeah, that's just another person that got saved and baptized and they're coming to heaven too. Like, no, no, no. This is a big deal when somebody goes from death to life, when they cross over from shame into the family of God, when they, right, this is, this is a big deal. It's such a big deal that we've been doing this as the family of God for about 2,000 years and we're not even close to slowing down or shutting up. It's, it's, in case you don't know, it, the Christian movement is a global movement that's been going on for a long, long time, and it'll go on uh, and way after we're here. Uh, it's still going to be going on unless Jesus comes and blows the whistle and says, that, that's it, and, and, and he just wraps it all up. So this is, this is really awesome to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Matt, uh, Tash. Um, let's just give it up for our pastor here today that's uh, done a phenomenal job. Yeah, well done, brother. Um, and, and for those of you that are like, look, I, I know all glory goes to God. Yes, amen. And we don't want to remotely rob God of his glory in the planting and flourishing of a local church. Um, but the other end of the pendulum can be um, is that we don't honor and respect and encourage and build up one another. And we don't want to, we never want to be that kind of people that we want to be what the Bible talks about in uh, Hebrews 12 and Romans 12 and uh, Hebrews chapter three, and that we build one another up, that we encourage one another, that we celebrate the wins in one another's life. And it's, it's a great day uh, to be here with you as we celebrate what God's done for two years. So uh, with that being said, uh, Pastor Matt asked me to, uh, to, to, he asked me to do two things. He sent me an email, and, I, and just so you'll know exactly what he said, here's exactly what he said in his email. We got it. Are you able to preach the gospel and spur our church on to continue to keep the shoulder to the plow in service of Jesus in our city? So I wrote back like a one-word email reply to him. Totally. So that's about all the talk we had about what's about to happen right now. So... Um, <laughs> We're men, we can communicate in grunts and high fives and, you know, we're men. So, all right, so that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to uh, preach on the Romans Road. For those of you that grew up in church, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember the Romans Road thing. Yeah, uh, that's familiar church language. If you're not familiar with what the Romans Road is, you'll be familiar in just a moment. So I'm going to just basically preach the gospel and then might get into a, a, a minute on the uh, Good Samaritan passage. And so, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in. Cool? Okay, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we come before you and humble ourselves before you and your word. Lord, you've lifted up above all the earth your name and your word. And so, God, we ask today that you would come and speak to us, 
convict us, lead us, guide us, encourage us, correct us, train us, fill us again with the light, life, and love of God. Thank you so much for our opportunity to just hear from you now. We believe that when we read the scriptures, you're speaking to us. So no matter where anybody comes from this morning, Father, and whatever frame of mind we're in, we ask that you push all distractions to the periphery of our mind, that we might be able to focus on Jesus and his great love for us. Thank you for reconciling us to yourself. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So here we go. Um, Good news, God loves you. But before we get to the good news, we have to cover the bad news of, that's, that's in the Bible. You're like, yeah, I did read the Bible. There is lots of bad news in there. Like, yes, there is. There is, in fact, bad news. And, and, and it's like, why did we bring this guy over here to tell us bad news? Well, um, I, I'm going to just tell you what, what the scriptures show us. And here's the deal. If we don't understand what the bad news is, we might take for granted the good news of the gospel. That is, if you only hear Jesus loves me, God forgives my sinners, my, my sinners, God forgives my sinners, God forgives my sins, uh, I'm going to heaven, etc. And you don't understand the fact that he actually saved you from something horrible, you might actually think that you're entitled to Jesus, entitled to the Bible, entitled to the church, entitled to the promise of God, entitled to the kingdom of God, entitled to the forgiveness of sins, entitled to grace, entitled to eternal life in heaven, you might, be in, you might begin to think, sure, sure, well, I mean, why, not? why wouldn't God love me? Why? I mean, I'm not so bad. <laughs> so we want to really first see like, oh, salvation means to be saved, to be saved from what? And so let's, let's go. Romans chapter Three begins, it says right here, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So everyone here, pastors, preachers, whoever included, everyone walking or who has ever or ever will walk on the face of the earth has sinned against God. Now here's the deal. Sin against God is a willful rebellion to shake our fist in the face of God and say, I don't care what your commandments are. I don't care what you have to say. I'm going to do what I'm going to do with my life, and I'm just going to live this way. Like, we've all, we all know that's in each one of us. We've all done it, and we all have maybe have regretted one or two of those decisions. The Bible teaches that sin is something that is both committed acts against God and sin is also omitted. Actions that God has said, carry this out, do this, and we go, I'm not going to do that. The Bible says we've all committed sin against God and we've omitted willful obedience to God. It is things that we have done or left undone. And here's the deal. Sin is not just a mistake. Sin is actually choosing to offend God. And so, Romans 6, Paul continues and says this in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. So when we sin, when we sin against God, and when we sin against one another, that, that act, that moment in time does not go off into a black hole in the universe, unaccounted for, 
unnoticed into a vacuum, never to be remembered again as though there was actually no consequence. No, rather the Bible teaches us clearly that the wages, your, your, your sin actually earned something. It merited something. Your sin went toward something into your account. So it says the wages of sin, that action, is, is death. And some might go, well, that's a bit. That's a bit harsh. It's, jeez, one sin? Yeah, yeah, one, one. Like, well, what if I don't really think it was that bad? Well, here's the deal. You're not the judge. No, and I'm not the judge. Nobody's asking us. The creator says, this is what sin is. God says, the Holy One says, this is what sin is. And it's really not up for debate. And listen, when you open up the Bible, it doesn't begin with bad news, does it? It begins with very good news. It doesn't begin with, you're a terrible wretch and she's burning hell. (laughs) It begins with, God is a loving God. God is a creating God. God is a happy God. God is a joyous God. God is a God who makes human beings in his image for communion with one another and with himself. We be, the Bible begins, we're, we're naked, for, for goodness sake, we're naked in a garden with nothing to do. It's like, that's kind of all I ever wanted in life. Well, we had it for like five seconds. Like, have you noticed when you're reading Genesis, like the first couple pages, you're like, this was going so good for like 10 seconds. It was awesome. And then it's like, and then sin. It's like, slam, like just crash the whole thing. Well, listen, when God creates human beings in his image, he began with saying, look, here's how I want you to live in my garden. You can have anything you want here. Don't eat from this tree over here. If you do, this is the consequence. So where did we go? Straight to the one tree. We eat from the one tree. Now, what does God owe us in that moment? He does not owe us grace. He does not owe us forgiveness. He does not owe us kindness, compassion, or redemption. What God owes us is what he told us. It was a clear, it's clear. It was a covenant made. Don't eat of this or you'll die. He owed us death. So the wages of sin is death. Physical death, eternal death. But then it gets really good. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Like if you mark your Bible, or maybe you're in an app and you highlight stuff or whatever, like (laughs) you should mark this verse, especially those first two words, but God. All the bad news is coming down, but God, but God shows up, but God did something we didn't expect him to do, but God showed up, but God came up with a better plan, but God had something planned from before the foundation of the world to go ahead and fix the rebellion that we brought against ourselves. You're like, wait, so God knew we were going to sin before he made us? Yes. And he saved us anyway? Yes. Why would he do that? Grace. This is why we make a big deal out of grace. But God, 
demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, every last one of us, Christian, non-Christian, on the fence, atheist, agnostic, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum this morning, a follower of another religion altogether, listen, this is what the gospel says. The good news about Jesus is this. God demonstrated his love for you when not when you cleaned your act up, not when you decided to just, you know, walk the straight and narrow, so to speak. No, God loved you and gave his life for you on your worst day, in your fist shaking, in your rebellion, in your, I hate you, God, I don't need you, I will live however I will live, I don't want you. Christ shows up and dies for you then. Completely unmerited completely undeserved, in fact, ill-deserved grace and favor. God shows up for you in the gutter and loved you and did not demand, clean your act up and then I will love you. That's not called grace. That's not called love. That's called contract. But God shows up with something called covenant. And covenant basically means this. I will lovingly abide with you through my unmet expectations. Some of you are married. You're like, totally, got it, covenant. That's why God uses this kind of language over and over again in the Bible as he describes a relationship with his imperfect yet completely loved and redeemed people. God demonstrates his love for you in that while you were still sinning, Jesus died for you. And so if you have to wonder whether or not, does God love me right now? You don't have to speculate or do a coin toss and wonder, could God love me? He's already demonstrated it. Not in a theory, but he demonstrated it in concrete history on Calvary 2,000 years ago. God demonstrates his love for you. And that while you are still a sinner, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus died for you. Can you believe that God would give his only son for you? I guess that's why I'm here. 2,000 years later in a bar here in this. Yeah, I guess I do believe that. Listen, no other religion under the, under the sun shows up with something like this. Everything else says clean your act up and you might make, you might tip the scales in the end. Jesus already tipped the scales. In fact, he tipped the scales over and says they're coming with me. In the cross, all of your sin and rebellion went to Jesus. And through his great resurrection from the dead, all of his perfect works went to you. You need a lot of good works to go to heaven, and that's precisely what Jesus came to give you. You, need, you actually need to be perfect. And so Jesus says, you can have my perfection. You know that when God looks at you, he, he looks at you and delights in you as his own child. 
That's what Romans is about when he says we're co-heirs with Christ. We're joined with Christ. That means quite literally that when God looks at you, he literally looks at you, not figurative. He literally looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus. So when you see Jesus baptized and come out of the water and he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what, you're, that's what the psalm says over and over again. You're the apple of my eye. That God actually delights in you. That God actually loves you. That God hasn't regretted or resented you. But rather he pursued you, loved you, and redeemed you. You're one of God's children. Because Jesus wants you to be. And has made you a son or a daughter of God. So that's good news. Like in America, okay, like I go, to, I go to a pretty rowdy church in Atlanta. That would be the part where you get up and like run around the room or whatever. But like, yeah, all right. But you don't have to. That's okay. Like seriously, stay in your seat. All right. Because we want to party after this. All right. So, and you can run around all you want then. All right. So, and so there we are. There's one. So, uh, so what now? What do we do with this message? So some of you are wondering. Your heart is pierced. Maybe you're not a Christian or you might be becoming a Christian right now and you don't know like what's going on. Like, I believe that weird Southern guy all of a sudden. I believe this. What do I do? Here's what Romans tells us. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. That's it. To confess with your mouth, to believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. And heaven is open to you. That's it. That's it. It's like, well, what if I screw up? What if I'm not a great Christian? What if I suck at praying? What if I can't find Romans in my Bible? (laughs) Ah, It's all grace. It's all grace, baby. It's gonna be all right. Listen, Romans 10, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look at how amazing. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, even that neighbor across the street that, Christian, you might have given up on, God hasn't given up on. That family member, that friend, that person broke your heart and betrayed you, God hasn't given up on them. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Can you imagine Like if we started thinking like that in a city like Sydney, every last person walking down these streets, every last person, if they're breathing, they're a candidate for salvation. Everyone walking down these streets, even the ones at Darwin University, I drove by the other night, like he has a university. Maybe one of you go, I don't know. Everyone. In this city is a candidate for salvation. And guess what? Jesus already has a few hundred of us here ready to introduce them to our great Father in heaven. So, 
Romans 5. Since therefore, therefore, since we've been justified by our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Listen, finally, you can have peace with God. It's not in the bottom of a bottle. It's not in bed with somebody that's not your spouse. Peace is not found in making more money, buying that boat, getting that flat, that house, that education. Peace is not in that stuff. Peace is not. Peace comes from being reconciled with God and having faith, having faith in Jesus that God raised from the now we have peace with God. Finally, this chaos, this storm that's going beyond control within me, I now have peace with God. I can finally lay my head on my pillow at night and go, it doesn't, even if my world is burning down around me, I have peace with God. Romans 8, listen to this. Well, what if I screw up? Romans 8, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you, please don't move on from that one. That's a biggie. <laughs> because you're going to sin in like five seconds somehow. And your conscience, the devil, the critics, it all happens and you start feeling condemnation. Look, as a Christian, we do experience conviction, which restores us to a relationship with God by the Holy Spirit. Conviction, yes. Condemnation, absolutely not. There is no condemnation for you in Christ. Like if you think about Noah and the ark, right? Like, oh yeah, I remember this story. Yeah, Noah and the ark. Remember how it goes down. Everyone who goes into the ark is saved. The wrath of God falls on the earth. All who are in the boat, wrath goes to the boat. And everybody who is inside the boat walks out safe in the ark. Same idea here. For all who are in Christ, there's no condemnation. The wrath fell on Jesus, not you. No condemnation. You're free. You're safe. You're safe. You're a child of God. So that's great. Um, <laughs> And listen to this, it gets even better. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels or rulers or, in, or things present or things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else how big in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look, nothing, absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not that failed relationship, not that addiction, not that demon, not that boss, not that bully, not that person, not that thing that happened to you. Is a, nothing, listen, anchor, nothing can separate you from the love of God. It's God's love. There's no force more powerful than the love of God. Nothing stands between God and one of his children. And then it leads to this. Therefore, like we start believing this, Romans 1, listen to this. For I'm, a, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also for the Greek. This leads to people being completely 
unashamed of the gospel. And this becomes a bizarre thing for us as Christians, doesn't it? And we go to work, we hang out with our friends, we eat like, we're around those that don't believe like us. And you're going, I mean, you get mocked, you get picked on, you get laughed at, you kind of get ostracized. There's, there's stuff that comes with following Jesus. And you go, at the end of the day, I'm, no, I'm not ashamed of this. Yes, I know it sounds crazy to believe that God spoke the universe into being and that Jesus is the son of God and died on a cross for my sins and resurrected and sent the Holy Spirit and wrote the Bible and planted the church and I'm going to heaven. I know all that sounds completely insane. I know. I'm unashamed. I don't care what you think about me. I'm unashamed of this gospel. I don't, I don't care consequences, condemnation, come what may. I don't care. My life is hidden with Christ and God. I don't care. I'm not ashamed what you think about me. I don't care. I'm safe. God is my father. Jesus is my brother. The spirit is my comforter. The church is my family. I don't care. I'm not ashamed of this message. He hung naked for me. He got up from the grave for me. He sent his spirit for me. I don't care. He comforts me with his word. He comforts me with his people. His promises are mine. Every morning his mercy is new to me. I don't care. I'm not ashamed. I know you think it's stupid that I give my money to church. (laughs) I don't care. I don't care. I don't live. This isn't even my home. Heaven's my home. I don't care. Like, that's what happens when you believe this message is that it dominates you. It controls you. It captivates you. It's what compels you to do what you do. So you ask, like, why are we here 24 months later? I'm unashamed. I don't care. We're going to make Jesus known in this city. We're going to preach Jesus. We're going to serve Jesus. We're going to magnify Jesus. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to put Jesus in front of our neighbors, in front of our coworkers, in front of our friends, in front of our family members. We're going to put Jesus at our cubicle at work. We're going to talk about Jesus in the work truck. We're going to talk about Jesus if we're meeting for coffee. We're talking about Jesus on the golf course. We're talking about Jesus in the pub. We don't shut up about Jesus. We're not ashamed of Jesus. We want to see Jesus lifted up. We want to see Jesus magnified. That's, that's what happens when you start to believe that God would give his only son for us. Then let's introduce as many people as possible to this God. That's what we're about, Anchor. That's what we're here for. That's That's why God planted this church. And this church is going to be a church that plants more churches and more churches. And we're going to raise up more leaders and more leaders and send out more people. That's the aim. That's the goal. That's the destination. Until Jesus blows the whistle and goes, that's enough. I'm done with this. Now I'm going to renew all of creation. That's that's what we're going to do in the meantime. Unashamed. We're unashamed. I think I'm too tired to preach on the Good Samaritan. So um, that's good. So we'll do that. Uh, So here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. I want to take just a moment um, uh, as Pastor Matt will lead us in a time of prayer and communion. But before before we do that, um, if there's somebody here that does not know Jesus and has not, or maybe you just became a Christian, like thinking just now, if you just became a Christian, would you find myself, 
My name's Alex, uh, or, or Pastor Matt, who will be up in just a moment. Would you find one of us today, like, as we're hanging out at, the, at, at our birthday party, um, would you find one of us and talk to us? We'd love to talk to you more about becoming a follower of Jesus, becoming a child of God, and making much of him. If you would, we'd be so honored that you would do that. So what I want to do is um, I want to I pray and then invite Pastor Matt up to lead us in a time of worship and response and communion. And so seriously, thank you, Anchor Church, for your time this morning. God bless you. Happy birthday. Let's pray. Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for the good news that you love us beyond our worthiness and unworthiness, that you love us in our rebellion and in our obedience and that your powerful message of grace transforms and actually changes us from the inside out. Father, we pray that you'll magnify yourself here in this church. Magnify yourself in our community groups. Magnify yourself in how we serve our city here. Magnify yourself in how we love one another. Magnify yourself in how we give our money. And magnify yourself in what we say, think, and do. God, we ask that today our hearts will be filled with great grace, joy, and happiness that comes from knowing that nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you that we get to be called the children of God. We love you, we bless you, and we lift up your name. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.